This is Daf Yud Tet in Masechet Megillah. We are beginning at the top of Daf Yud Tet Amud Aleph at the new Mishnah. We know that there are two different days of Purim. There's the day that is observed by the people who live in ordinary places. That is the 14th of Adar. And then there is the 15th of Adar, which is celebrated in cities that were walled from the time of Yoshua bin Nun or in Shushan. These are called Krachim. So it says, Ben ir shalach lekrach, uven krach shalach leir. If you have a person who normally lives in a regular city, which reads on the 14th, and he goes to a place where they read on the 15th, or somebody reads in a, who lives in a place where they read on the 15th, who goes to a place where they read on the 14th, if he's going to go back to his original place, then he should read according to his original place. And if not, then he reads wherever he is. Now there's like going to be a discussion about oh, uh, under what circumstances uh, this halacha applies. When does he have to make this decision? When is he going back? And so on. We will see in the Gemara. From what point of the Megillah does the person have to read to fulfill the mitzvah? Rabbi Meir Omer Kula. Rabbi Meir says you have to read the entire Megillah, which is the halacha. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Me'ish Yehudi. According to Rabbi Yehuda, only from when Mordechai is introduced. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Me'achar HaDvarim Ha'ele. From Me'achar HaDvarim Ha'ele, which is the introduction of Haman, that is uh, when Haman's ascent to power, that's the, from then to the end of the Megillah that you have to read. Now the Gemara says, This is only speaking about a person who is in the wrong place. In other words, he's not in his normal uh, place of residence. And he has a plan to be back on the night of the 14th of Adar. But if he's not going to be in his normal place on the 14th, on the night of the 14th, so Koreimayen, then he has to read with them. Now Rashi explains, meaning that when a Ben Krach goes to an ear, in other words, if a person who reads on the 15th normally goes to a place where they read on the 14th, right? And we say that if he's going to go back to the place where they read on the 15th, he doesn't have to uh, read Megillah on the 14th. If he plans to be there... Um, on the 14th of Adar into the daytime, meaning if on the night of the 14th he's planning on going back, so fine, he doesn't have to stay there and read night and morning with the 14th, but if he's planning on staying there into the day, Rashi says, Since he's going to be there into the morning of the 14th, so then, therefore, he's considered to be that he's staying there for the 14th and he has to read with them. Rashi says, The same is true, says Rashi of a person who normally lives in a place where they read on the 14th, that he goes to a place, a walled city, that that if he's planning not to be in that walled city on the day of the 15th, so even though he's in a place, he's, he's in the walled city on the 14th, in other words, even though he is right now in the walled city where they're going to be reading on the 15th of Adar, since he plans on being back in his hometown before the day of the 15th of Adar, he reads on the 14th even while he is in that walled city. Um, and that would be the halacha. According to Rashi, it depends. That basically for a person who lives in a place where they read on the 14th, the determining factor is where they plan to be, um, where they plan to be, uh, 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 and, and, the, and that person is in a place where they read on the 15th, so the question is where they plan to be on the 15th. And if it's somebody who normally reads on the 15th who is in an unwalled city on the 14th, the question is where do they plan to be on the day of the 14th? That's, the, that's according to Rashi. There are others who say that it all goes by where you plan to be on the 14th. And uh, there, this is a long discussion among the Rishonim. 
that's beyond the scope of this uh, discuss, uh, of this shiur. But basically, according to Rashi, it is relative. In other words, if you are in a place that they read on the fifteenth, then the determining factor is whether you're going to be there during the daytime of the fifteenth. And if you're in a place where they read on the fourteenth, the determining factor is whether you're going to be there on the daytime of the fourteenth. Where do I get this from? Therefore, the Jews who are in the open places. Who live in the area prazot and who live in the open areas? It already says the open place living Jews. Why does that have to say who dwell in the unwalled places? In other words, it's saying there's two th- types of things. There's people who are in the unwalled cities, and there are the Yehudim Aprazim who are essentially residents of those cities. So both can read on the 14th. How do we know that the same halacha applies to the person in a walled city? It's just logic. Since a person who is temporarily in the unwalled city is counted as a member of that city, so too if somebody is in a walled city that reads on the 15th, even only temporarily, they become part of that city. If a person who lives in a village where they normally preempt and read the Megillah ahead of time, they read the Megillah on uh, the when uh, if, if Purim falls on a Wednesday, they'll read it on the Monday before. If it falls on a Tuesday, they read it on the Monday before, and so on. And if it, it falls on a Friday or a Sunday, they read it on the Thursday before. So, uh, so in that case, he goes to the city, so definitely should be reading with the people who uh, read on the 14th, meaning even, and Rashi says, even if we're talking about a case where he already read in his village uh, early, meaning he read on Tuesday or Wednesday, and now we have, he read, read, sorry, he read on the Monday, and now it's Tuesday or Wednesday, and he's in the unwalled city on the 14th, he should read with them, even though he already read. That's how Rashi explains it, that's how Tosafot also agrees with that interpretation, Right, so because really the villagers should be reading on the fourteenth of Adar anyway. And we learned that they made a leniency for the villages because of the zechut that they they supply uh, their brothers in the cities with food and uh, sustenance. So they gave them a break that they're able to read on the Monday or Thursday, right before Purim. When Monday, when Purim itself doesn't fall on a Monday or Thursday to make their lives easier, right? That's only if he's in his place. But if he happens to be, that's only when they're in the villages and it's a convenience them. But if they're in the actual city, the unwalled city, then they should be like the unwalled city, of course. That if a person from a walled city finds himself in an unwalled city, he should always read like his own place. How could it be? Uh, shouldn't it? Uh, didn't we already learn that it depends upon whether he plans to go back to his place of residence or not? How could you just say that he reads according to his place of residence? Depends whether he's planning to go back. But rather, it must be talking about a villager. And it means that if a villager is in the city, he should read like his hometown. And he should read early. So it says, Didn't you already fix the Brighta to change? From Ben Krach to Ben Kfar, you already said that it's an erroneous brighter, that it can't be talking about somebody who's a resident of a walled city. It must be talking about someone who's a resident of a village. So to, so to will change the end. It shouldn't say that he reads like the place he's from. It should say that he reads like wherever he is. In other words, the point is, once you're going to amend the brighter, amend it fully and say that it's actually just corroborating our halacha instead of contradicting it. And basically a villager who is in a city will read like the city, even though he's a villager who would normally read earlier, he's not going to do that when he's in the city where he has the opportunity to read at the proper time anyway. From where does the person have to read the Megillah to fulfill the mitzvah? Rabban Shmuel Ben Yochai, Omer, Rabban Shmuel Ben Yochai says, 
From when the king couldn't sleep at night, the beginning of the miracle. Everyone is learning it from the same pasuk. Because it says that Esther Malka and Mordechai the Jew wrote all of the power. Manda Markula, the one that says you have to that the the power in in the Megillah is the power of Tokfoshel Achashverosh. That, so therefore, since the power of Achashverosh is showcased to us from the very beginning of the Megillah, you have to read the whole thing. The one that says that you have to at least read from where Mordechai is introduced as Tokfosh Mordechai. That means it's the strength of Mordechai. The one that says that you have to read only from when Haman rises to power is to, says that the main point of the strength that is recounted in the Megillah is of Haman. And according to the one who, wants, who says that you only have to read from when the miracle begins, he says that it's because it's tokfoshonis, the strength that is showcased in the Megillah is the strength of the miracle, and that begins with the king not being able to sleep that night. Rav Huna Amar Huna said from a different person, Kumar What did they see in the matter, and what happened to them? Manda And again, that's describing the story of Purim, um, and it's saying what they saw about the matter, and what happened to them. Okay? So, uh, he says, this is, this is reflecting what our obligation is, um, uh, that, that, that the Megillah is, you know, the point is that you have to read whatever the essence of the Megillah is. That the essence of the Megillah is something related to this Pasuk. What does that mean? Right, so it's interpreting this pasuk that what did what did he see? What did Achashverosh see that caused him to use the vessels of the Beit Hamikdash for his party? On it, because he calculated that there were seventy years that had passed and the Jews were not redeemed yet, so it was okay to do it. And and what happened to him? That Vashti was killed. So how does the one who says so that means that you have to start from the very beginning of the Megillah because even the first part about Achashverosh is critical to the reading of the Megillah. But the one who says that you start from when that when Mordechai is introduced, right? What is the Mara'a? in the pasuk, what did what did Mordechai see that he started up with him al kacha on this then he made himself an idol what happened then a miracle happened the one who says that you only have to read from when Haman rises to power so the question is in that pasuk again so that that so Haman what caused Haman to hate all the Jews? Al kacha because of this. The Mordechai because Mordechai would not bow to him. and what happened to him? That he was hung on the tree. In other words, that that's what happened to him. And the one who says that you have to read from that night that Achashverosh couldn't sleep and therefore it started the salvation in motion. What does Mara'u al kacha? What did they see about it? What did Achashverosh say? Uh, why did Achashverosh bring the Book of Remembrances to recall people that he might have forgotten to reward? Al-Kacha. Because it was on this. It was on the fact that Esther invited Haman to her party. And what happened to them? That a miracle occurred. So according to that, those sukim, whether you take the first pasuk or the second one, they have a basis in terms of what they think the essential narrative points of the Megillah are that have to be digested by the listener. How much of the Megillah has to be read? The halacha, of course, is that you have to read the whole thing. That the halacha is that you have to read the entire Megillah, even according to the one who says you only have to read from Ishudi, from when Mordechai is introduced to Hashtag Tuvakula, the entire Megillah has to be written in front of you when you read it. That's a separate halacha, separate from how much of it you have to read. Rabbi Chilbo, Amarab Chama Barguya, Amarab, Rabbi Chilbo said the name of Rabbi Chama Barguya, the name of Rav. 
Megillah Nikrit Sefer. There's a place where it's called the Sefer, um, where the Megillah is referred to as a book, because it says V'nichtav Basefer. But also V'nichtav Igeret, it's called, also called an Igeret, a letter, because it says that Esther wrote at Igeret Apurim Azot. Right? So therefore, so what, what does it mean? Anikret Sefer, Shem Tzvara B'Kuchute Bishtan Tzula. On one hand, it's called a sefer. It's similar to a sefer Torah. That if you if you sew the columns together using flax, it is pasul. But it's called a letter in the sense that if you don't completely, if you look at a sefer Torah, not only is it sewn with sinews of an animal, but it's sewn all the way from top to bottom. There's no space there. A megillah has to be sewn with sinews. That is true. It has to have that, but. It doesn't. You only need three spots. You do the first. You go down from the top of the page to the first third, then a third more, and then a third more. As long as they're spaced out evenly, you do three, three, three. They have to be spread out evenly. The point is, you only need three points of sewing, but they have to be spread out evenly in thirds. Um, a third from the top. First, you go down from the top. A third, then another third, then another third. Um, they. Uh, and then there should be, in other words, Rashi says, "Shayim erosha tefar ad mekom tefirat agid k'menav ad agid ashenim v'rashini l'shishu v'shishu l'asof v'tefar." In other words, the three have to be evenly spaced. So technically, it's dividing it into not thirds but fourths, because you have one section and then the first uh, from the top of the uh, uh, column um, until where you put the first sewing, and then uh, this equal equal amount of space to the second sewing, equal amount of space to the third sewing, equal amount of space to the bottom. So technically, it's four sections that you divide it into. If a person reads a Megillah that's written in, in other words, if you have a book of Ketuvim, that a scroll of Ketuvim that includes Megillah that's there, but it has even more than that, it, it, it's no good. That's only true if it doesn't stick out. But let's say you had a scroll of all of Ketuvim, a Tanakh scroll, and then the Megillah was a little bit larger or a little bit shorter so that it was distinct from the rest. You could see it's a distinct Part, so then it would be okay. Levi Bar Shmuel Hava Karei Kameid Rav Yehuda. One time, Levi Bar Shmuel was reading in front of Yehuda Megillah Tuva Ben Ketuvim. He was reading out of a Megillah that was written among the rest of the Ketuvim. In other words, it was in a longer scroll that included Megillah there plus a lot of other stuff. Amalei Harei Amud, and they say, didn't they say that somebody who reads out of such a Megillah doesn't fulfill the mitzvah? Amar Bichia, Rabbi Chia said, or should say, Amar Rabbi Chia. And then we say that, uh, that uh, the halacha is that you can't read out of a Megillah that's written among the other Ketuvim. But then they went and they clarified it. That's only in uh, that's only in a, um, a uh, in the community. But if you're reading for less than a Minyan, so then you're allowed to read out of such a Megillah. That's uh, the, only in the community. That the Shiura Tefer, the amount of space that you have to leave on the top and the bottom of the Megillah, or on the top and bottom of the Sefer Torah, rather, is, uh, is a Halacha Moshe Misan, but then they clarified and said, no, it's actually not a halacha Moshe Misinai that you have to leave. It's because they don't want it to tear. It's a practical reason because if you have it sealed all the way to the very top and you don't leave any space on the top and on the bottom of the sewing, so then if it ever gets pulled a little bit, it'll completely tear. This way there's a little bit of lit wiggle room. If it bends a little bit, if it's, uh, if it's pulled on a little bit, it won't tear. 
uh, or you'll see that it's starting to pull apart and you will stop pulling harder because you'll have a little warning so that you have to leave a little space. But that shiur atefer is a halacha Moshe It's not really halacha Moshe Misinai. It's really just rational, practical uh, reasoning. That if there had been in the cave where Moshe Rabbeinu and Eliyahu and Avi both received their revelations, if there had been the size of a tiny crack of a uh, the size of a nekev uh, machat of a uh, of a uh, the hole of a needle, the eye of a needle, then they wouldn't have been able to withstand the light. It would have overwhelmed them. Because it says a man will not see me and live. It would have been too much if there was the tiniest crack. Um, and they, oh, he said, Rashi says that the sidkit is a reference to the type of a needle. It means it's a machat sidkit. It's a type of a needle that you use to repair tiny uh, 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 holes in um, in clothing. Right, so if you had a, the so the the eye of that kind of needle is especially tiny because it's an especially tiny needle, the light would have been overwhelming. What does it mean when it says that on the two luchot, on the two tablets, were all the things that Hashem had told Moshe, that Hashem had spoke to you, spoken to you at the mountain? It's the teacher that Hashem taught Moshe, all of the uh, fine points of the Torah, what can be learned and derived from Sukim of the Torah, and all of the things that the rabbis uh, determined uh, from the early Mishnayot, and even that which the future Sofrim are going to in- innovate. Meaning he even knew about Mikra Megillah, Moshe Rabbeinu knew not only what could be derived from the Pesukim and the early Mishnayot, but even the, the idea of Megillat Esther was known to Moshe Rabbeinu ahead of time. The Mishnah says, Everyone is kosher to read the Megillah except for a deaf mute, somebody who is a mentally incapacitated and a child. Rabbi Yudah allows a child to read. The Gemara says, Who's the one who says that if a deaf mute reads, it's no good even According to Rav Matanat, Rabbi Yossi did not as it says in the Mishnah, because Rabbi Yossi said that if a person reads the Shema and he cannot hear what he's reading, so then he does not. Uh, fulfill the uh, so the the Tanakh Kama says he fulfills the mitzvah. Rabbi Yossi Omer Lo Yatzar. Rabbi Yossi says he doesn't fulfill the mitzvah. And so we're following. So it should actually say Divrei Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda is the one who says that if you didn't hear it, you you fulfill the mitzvah. Rabbi Yossi says you didn't fulfill the mitzvah. And the same thing applies to the Megillah. So if a person's a deaf mute since they can't hear what they're reading, they're not going to fulfill the mitzvah. We might do Rabbi Yossi. He with the Avad Lamilo. How do you know that the Mishnah means like Rabbi Yossi that if a deaf mute reads the Megillah, even with the Avad, even after the fact he didn't fulfill the mitzvah, Dilma Rabbi Yehuda. Maybe it's like Rabbi Yehuda lechat. Maybe it's like uh, Rabbi Yudah's position that even though it would be nice for him to hear it, if he didn't hear himself read, he still fulfills the mitzvah b'diavad. Don't assume that because the katan cheresh dumiyad shotev katan. Look at our Mishnah. The cheresh is in the same category as shotev katan. Somebody who has no mental ability and a child. Ma shotev katan diavad namilo. Just like if a child or a shotev, somebody who is not mentally there. It, they, even b'diavad, their reading is no good. Afcheresh diavad namilo. So the same would be true about a deaf mute. That it means that it's diavad also not good. Like Rabbi Yosi, fedil mahakidita mahakidita. How do you know? Maybe it's a list of things that are no good. Some are only no good lechatchila. Some are no good even b'diavad. But from the fact that at the end of the Mishnah it mentions Rabbi Yehuda, who allowed a child to read, so obviously the first part is not Rabbi Yehuda, and therefore it can't be Rabbi Yehuda, it must be Rabbi Yossi. Right, so the Gemara says, maybe the whole thing is Rabbi Yehuda. Right, so, how could that be? 
it, the beginning says that uh, you can't use a child, and the end says you can't. Maybe the whole thing is Rabbi Yehuda. How so? Because we'll say, It's two different types of children. There is something missing. This is what it means. Everyone is kosher to read the Megillah except for a deaf mute and somebody who is mentally incapacitated and a child. That's talking about a child that didn't reach the age of Chinuch. He's under eight or nine years old. But a child that reached Chinuch, even a Chatchila could be because Rabbi Yehuda allows a child to read. In other words, the way we're reading Mishnah now is that it's not Rabbi Yossi, but what it means to say it's all Rabbi Yehuda. And in the first half, it means that a cherish is not good only lechatchila but bediavad if the deaf mute reads he, it's okay and a child in the first half of the Mishnah is talking about a child under the age of chinuch so therefore if he reads it doesn't count but if he's reached the age of chinuch Rabbi Yehuda allows it even lechatchila so now the Gemara says what are you telling me Rabbi Yehuda we're talking about Rabbi Yehuda bediavad and we're talking about diavad right um, and in other words that when we're talking about the um, that uh uh, that uh, that Rabbi Yehuda assumes with regard to the Shema and with regard to the Megillah that lechatchila you should be able to hear and only b'diavad it's good if you didn't hear elahad didn't we learn that Rabbi Yehuda the son of Rabbi Shimon ben Pazi said that a deaf mute that cannot hear okay. Um, who can speak but cannot hear, can separate truma, even the chatchila, meaning even though he can't hear himself say the bracha, the chatchila is allowed to do it. Mani, i Rabbi Yehuda, diavad in the chatchila, lo, because that doesn't fit with either opinion. It doesn't fit with Rabbi Yehuda, because you're telling me that Rabbi Yehuda holds, even Rabbi Yehuda holds that the chatchila, a deaf person shouldn't read the, the Megillah and shouldn't say bachot and so on for others, because he can't fulfill the mitzvah ideally, right? According to Rabbi Yossi, even with the Avad, he's not going to be able to do the mitzvah. Rather, you must say that this, this opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, ben, Rabbi Shimon ben Pazi, is following the Tana Rabbi Yehuda, and the Tana Rabbi Yehuda says, that a deaf mute can read even the Chatchila, can read the Shema, and can read the Megillah, and can do everything else, even the Chatchila, so there is no Bediavad. So if that's true, then it's not going to fit with our Mishnah, because our Mishnah is definitely saying the Cherish is no good, at least the Chatchila no good. Right? But what about this Now we have a third case. In other words, so far we had only Rabbi Yossi that says, uh, even B'diavad it's no good if you can't hear yourself say the Bacha, or you can't hear yourself say the Shema, or you can't hear yourself say the Megillah. Then we said Rabbi Yudah, originally we thought, said that he agreed with him L'Chatchila and just said B'diavad it's okay. Now we're saying that no, Rabbi Yudah must hold that even L'Chatchila it's okay. And, but now we found the Braitha that has a middle position, that a person should not say Birkat Amazon in his heart, and if he did that, he fulfills it Bidiyavad, Mani lo Rabbi Yudah, Rabbi Yossi. Since we said that Rabbi Yudah and Rabbi Yossi are at extremes, that Rabbi Yudah holds that even the Chatchila without hearing it, it's okay, and Rabbi Yossi says Bidiyavad, it's not okay, so then, So according to that, this Braitha doesn't fit with either one, because this Braitha is saying that with regard to Birkat Amazon, ideally he should hear himself, and if he doesn't, he's okay. Right, so the, we go to Kaf Amud Aleph. Leolam Rabbi Yehuda Afilu Chatchila. Really, it's Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda actually holds like we originally, like we said before, that Afilu Chatchila. Even ideally, you can have a person who can't hear read. One is his own opinion. One is his teacher's opinion. No, because Rabbi Yehuda reported in the name of Rabbi Elazar Ben Azariah. His teacher, that somebody who reads the Shema, needs to be able to hear it. Shema Shema Yisrael, Shema Lokin Hashem Echad, Hashmei Lo Oznecha, Lo Oznecha, Mashtamot Tzem Picha. 
that he says, it says, Hero Israel, Hashem is your God, Hashem is one. Meaning, make your ears hear what your mouth is saying. Rabbi Meir Omer, Hashem Ochi B'Tzabacha, Yom Alevavecha, Achar Kvanat Alev, Enen Advarim. Rabbi Meir says no, that it says, what I command you today should be on your heart. Meaning, that it all goes by your heart. It doesn't matter what you can hear. So now we have three opinions. We have Rabbi Yehuda that holds that Lechatchila, that Bidiyavad, uh, I'm sorry, that Lechatchila, you're supposed to be able to, you, he himself holds that even Lechatchila, if you couldn't hear it, it's still good. Then we have Rabbi Yehuda in the name of his teacher who said, Lechatchila, you should be able to hear it, but Bidiyavad, you're Yotze, if you didn't. And then you have the third opinion of Rabbi Yosef that says, if you didn't hear it, even with the Avad, you didn't fulfill the mitzvah. And we're now tr- sort of leaning in the direction that therefore the Mishnah must be Rabbi Yosef, like we originally said. It's talking about a Cherish who even with the Avad is no good. And then Rabbi Yehuda is adding about the Katan at the end. That's how we must, it can't be that our Mishnah follows Rabbi Yehuda because Rabbi Yehuda would say that even the Chatchila, even the Chatchila, a deaf mute would be allowed to read the Megillah. Only his Rebbe, his teacher, said otherwise. So now the Gemara says, wait, but we've shown that there are three opinions. There's an opinion that says even the Chathila is good. And we have an opinion that says the Chathila, no, but Bidiyavad, yes. And we have an opinion that says even Bidiyavad, no. So now that we've come to Rabbi Meir's opinion, now, but now we have another solution because we found that there are, there's another source for the opinion. Rabbi Meir is the source of the opinion that says even the Chathila, if you think it in your mind, it's good enough. So he would say that reading the Megillah or what, what Yehuda um, that we saw before that Rabbi that, um Yehuda or Rabbi Yehuda Rabbi Shimon ben Pazi said that a deaf person can separate the Chuman and say the Bacha even the Chathila even though he can't hear himself so that's the opinion of Rabbi Meir that even the Chathila it's okay to have the Cherish do things but we could say that Rabbi Yehuda himself actually agrees with his own teacher Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah that the Chathila you should not have the deaf person do it Bidiyavad he fulfills the Mitzvah and that fits with our Mishnah that we're saying that the Cherish there is only the Chathila you shouldn't do it Bidiyavad it is good and then we could say the whole Mishnah is actually Rabbi Yehuda, and it should say that because Rabbi Yehuda allows a katan as long as you reach the age of Chinuch, just the, the beginning of the Mishnah is saying, speaking about a katan that didn't reach the age of Chinuch, and now we have everything lined up and everything works out. Okay, and now the Gemara goes on. Rabbi Yehuda, Machshib katan. Rabbi Yehuda said that a katan is good as long as you reach the age of Chinuch, the age of mitzvah training. Let's say eight or nine years old, he can read the Megillah. The time we learned in the Rabbi Yehuda said, "Katan aidi v'karitia lemala me Rabbi Tarfon." Uskenim belot. He said, "Look, I was a child and I read the Megillah in front of Rabbi Tarfon and the elders in Lod." Hamarulo, they said to him, "In v'vino aimin katan, we cannot bring a proof from what you remember from your childhood because you were not a, uh, you weren't old enough to really know what was happening, and uh, your edut from that time doesn't count." So then Tanya says, Rabbi Yudah Nasi himself said that when I was a child, I read in front of Rabbi Yudah, you also cannot bring proof from the person who is the lenient one, because you bring a proof to Rabbi Yudah from what Rabbi Yudah himself did. Right? Why doesn't he mention, why doesn't the, didn't, wasn't the objection of the rabbis that you can't bring a proof from when you were a child? Because they both were true. First of all, you were a child. Then moreover, even if you were an adult reporting what you saw as an adult, you can't bring a proof to Rabbi Yehuda from Rabbi Yehuda himself. Obviously, Rabbi Yehuda allowed children to read Megillah because he held that it was okay. Of course, Tosfot asked the question, why is it that Megillah can't be done by a child according to the Chachamim? It should be because in the end, we say that obligation is... Um, 
is the deciding factor. And if the child is Higilachinuch, he reached the age of mitzvah uh, training, so that means he's obligated me to Rabbanan to read the Megillah. Everyone else is also obligated me to Rabbanan because the whole mitzvah is only me to Rabbanan. So therefore, so therefore, answers that here we have a double de Rabbanan. That normally you have a mitzvah de Waita and a mitzvah chinuch de Rabbanan. So therefore, um, the child has a rabbinic obligation and the, everyone else has a biblical obligation. But when it comes to Megillah, we only have a rabbinic obligation and the Katana has a rabbinic on a rabbinic obligation. He has a rabbinic obligation to do a rabbinic mitzvah. It's two steps removed from our obligation because he only has a... Oh, another way of thinking of it is that he has a different nature of his obligation. His obligation is the obligation of chinuch and it's not really necessarily on him, some would say. It's really on the parents. And so you can't really say that his obligation is the same the same obligation at all. It's an obligation of training. It's not really an obligation of Begilat Esther. The way that Tosfot worded is that it's two steps removed. Their obligation is a Chinuch. It's a double Durabanan. We are directly obligated to Rabbanan. They're obligated me to Rabbanan in Chinuch to do a Mitzvah Durabanan of Megilat Esther, so it's not the same thing. But it could be that that's the same idea that I'm saying, that uh, it means that the obligation is not of the same nature. And perhaps Rabbi Yudad doesn't buy that and says, basically, when it comes to Durabanans, the rabbis were mitaken Megilat Esther for everybody and including children it's not when they make a Durabanan mitzvah they don't make two levels that everyone who is an adult is obligated in the mitzvah of, uh, for its own sake and then everyone else who's under that is obligated and, and, then, and then they made a separate requirement of chinuch for the children when it comes to a Durabanan perhaps they included everybody in one fell swoop they're all included in the same category and therefore Rabbi Yehuda allowed a katan to read for uh, even for adults